Welcome to The Beauty of Conflict, a podcast about how to deal with conflict at work, at home, and everywhere else in your life. I'm Chris Marie. And I'm Susan. We run a company called Thrive Inc., and we specialize in conflict resolution, stress management coaching, and building strong, thriving teams and relationships, both in person and virtually. We are starting 2021 with a series based on our book, The Beauty of Conflict for Teams. We'll be sharing tips, tools about how to make your team work more effectively, especially in this remote and virtual environment. We hope you'll walk away from this episode and the series with some fresh ideas that change your day, your week, and even your life. Well, welcome to our second installment of our special series, The Beauty of Conflict for Teams, which we'll be running here in this first quarter. And it is on our book, based on our book, The Beauty of Conflict, Harnessing Your Team's Competitive Advantage. And we're going to take you right into one of the chapters. This is chapter 25, Five Mistakes That Stall Your Team and What to Do About Them. You know, good leaders make basic mistakes that undermine the team's forward progress and stall the business. So listen to this leadership team of a manufacturing company at their monthly strategic meeting. Fritz, the chief marketing officer, says passionately, we need to put our energy into positioning our new product line and stop spending so much time focusing on the legacy products. I totally disagree, Stanley, chief of operations, jumps in. We need to make sure we don't lose the customers that got us here while we're inventing something new. Fritz counters, we definitely need new products. Betsy chimes in, the CFO, and laments to Michael, the CEO, Fritz and Stanley may both be right. We won't know until we do a detailed analysis. Michael says, okay, okay. Fritz and Stanley, you two take your feud offline. We don't have time to do a detailed analysis, Betsy. We need to make a decision by the end of the week. If you don't come to a solution, I will. Fast forward, Fritz and Stanley never come to a solution. In the next meeting, Michael, the CEO, lays out the product strategy plan that maintains focus on the existing customer base. Surprised that Michael made a decision without a discussion, The team listens quietly at the table, because they still were at the table at this point, (laughs) nodding their heads. Michael interprets those head nods as agreement and commitment. So Michael made several mistakes in this scenario. Do you know what they are? Susan, what's the first one? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the first one is that kind of classic line where he said, you two take that feud offline between, I can't remember. Fritz and Stan. Stan. Yes. Fritz the marketing officer and Stanley the operations guy. Now there's, there's a couple things wrong with that. One, even if they do successfully take it offline and they come to some sort of agreement, the discussion that they're having around the importance of the plan for marketing and how they're going to solve it, everyone needs to hear it. So that's the first problem. Because if you're actually making a product strategy between whether we stay on existing products or we develop something new, you want your whole team and their brain power around that because that's a huge impact on the business strategy. I don't know how many times we are with teams, and this would have been one of them, (laughs) but other teams where it's really too people's strategy about the best thing for the business, whether it's growth or whether it's going to be, we need to be more equality focused. And those two, if they're at odds with each other and they don't really talk about it together, it just fractures 
further down in the organization because the people further down who are they're like, what do we do? Is it stra- is it quality or is it what growth? <laughs> yeah, and and what happens then is they usually align around their particular leader, which actually does not help the situation; just makes it worse. So then teams start operating in silos because the leadership team isn't having the tough conversations. And that phrase, "take it offline," you two take it offline. What happens is those two people are having a hard enough time having this conversation, do you think they're really going to have that conversation with each other without the support of the team? No, they don't do it. What can be helpful is if I'm on your team and I'm listening to you and someone else who has very different value propositions or strategy ideas, I might be able to kind of be the bridge in between because I might see the value in both of those and be able to help my team members sort through the differences. So the key here is to treat your team meetings as your playing field. Don't try to solve or have those discussions offline. The context of the team, other people listening are valuable in helping two people who are fighting over strategies really see into each other's worlds and bridge that gap and have that conversation. So don't take it offline. If you hear yourself saying it, really, we want that red flag to be going off in your head. Or if you hear your leader saying, you may want to say, well, wait a minute, I think this is an important discussion. And I think it would be hard for them to have a meeting about it without the rest of us and see what happens. Okay. So now... What about the second mistake, Chris Marie? You want to, or, or do I get to identify them all? <laughs> no, no. The second mistake is focusing only on the business problem. So this was, again, Fritz wanting to invent new products and Stanley, head of operations, really wanting to maintain the existing business and quality around it. So when you focus just on solving the business problem, what do you miss, Susan? <laughs> well, in some respects, what can start to happen is the two people who have the different perspectives actually become more and more divided and can get in each other's way because they haven't really aligned and agreed to anything. They're not committed to the overall business strategy. And so, I mean- So they're more entrenched in their own silo and point of view. Yeah. And you may, and you may miss, like the question to ask in this scenario- This is, is the magic tool. The magic tool is why is this so important to you? So like for Fritz to ask- Stanley. Stanley, you know, why is it so important to you that we solve this problem first? Like, why is that why you're focusing? And really see if he can understand it and vice versa. Fritz could do that. Stanley could do that with Fritz. Yeah. Fritz, why do you think going into new products is so important? And Fritz asking Stanley, why is it so important that we maintain our existing business? And if you go at it from that perspective, then you get that IQ of each of those critical subject matter experts about why they're taking the position they do. You don't have to decide which one you're going to take yet, but you get their input out on the table. You know, we've been with teams over and over again, and this is when we are facilitating team meetings, now even virtually, slowing that conversation down and at will ask those questions to those two people. And what starts to percolate when people really start to answer, why is this so important to me? Because I think we're going to miss the next big window. You know, our competitors are doing this and you get what's inside, how they're putting their world together. Same with Stanley on the, we need to maintain our existing product line. And what starts to happen is new ideas start to emerge and you start to actually, you're not trying to solve the problem of new products, old products. You actually get down to, oh my gosh, we need to innovate. You, you get to a lower level root cause discussion. When you start to slow people down and they talk about what's important to them, you get to more their values, their thinking, and new creative ideas emerge. I was thinking about this from a standpoint of something probably a little more current and recent and and how, you know, there's all these different products for virtual 
meetings. Yeah. You know, you could use Teams. You could use Zoom. Oh, the you videos. Could, videos, right? Yeah. And I, you know, it usually what happens when we are even WebEx or, you know, what's that? <laughs> Google Meet. Google Meets. <laughs> and, you know, and often, you know, when we brought up, so, you know, we have our favorite, which, you know, we like Zoom because we love the breakouts. <laughs> um, and, but often the, the conversation gets stopped pretty quickly with whatever, like, I fight for breakouts. I was thinking of somebody else. I was it's like, well, we want to make sure it's private. And Zoom has horrible security, pride. Security, yeah. security, security. But what's missing in that conversation is, okay, so why is Zoom so important to me? Okay. Or why is security so important to you? Let's talk about that. And not just do the classic, well, you know. Fighting well, over strategy. Yeah. Or and, the solution. And for me, I, when I actually started to help me understand, like I actually felt like when I got asked that question, and this was through some work with Microsoft because I was coaching some people there and they wanted to know why I still was interested in Zoom. And they kept telling me the reason I shouldn't be, but it still wasn't working until they said, why does that? And I explained how frustrated I got with how teams did breakouts and how I didn't have any control over it and how I couldn't actually go in and, you know, different things. And at that moment, I actually felt like someone was listening to me. Now, I'm not going to say that I inspired Microsoft to change their teams, but I do know now they added some dimensions. And I think some of that is because maybe they did ask that question. And I, I think those sort of things, that's what I mean. Find out why someone is fighting for something or fighting against something. And you might actually begin to get to, oh, well, wait a minute, we could do that and still have security covered or... So I think really, and also you said something in the midst of all that, Susan, that I think is pretty powerful, is you felt seen and heard when oh. somebody asked you that question. And too often when people are fighting over their strategy, they're fighting to be heard. And there's kind of like a desperate nature, it needs to be this way. And it's really right or wrong, black and white, either or thinking. And as soon as somebody is feel feel seen and heard, they kind of soften and open and open to other possibilities. And I think that's why we see so many creative solutions come out of those discussions when mm -hmm. we're facilitating those team things, team meetings, and we ask each of those people those yeah, questions. Yeah, makes all the difference in the world. All right. So we're going on to mistake number three. So the mistake that Michael made in that meeting when he was rolling out the product strategy and nobody said anything and they, you know, they were nodding their heads is, is assuming head nods means, yes, I agree with you. <laughs> Leaders make this mistake all the time. And head nods could be like, I hear you. Mm -hmm. I think it's a stupid idea, but I'm going to, mm -hmm. I'm taking it in. <laughs> I don't actually understand a word you're saying. It could mean that. <laughs> or even just hearing a yes isn't necessarily no. Does it mean anything? <laughs> yes, yeah. I agree with you because it's really problematic if I don't. Or, you know, we really encourage teams to go an extra step, like take that yes, no out of it mm -hmm. and ask your teammates, are you thumbs up? This is just one example. Well, let's be explicit. So rather than just being the tacit, I, I could be, I'm thinking about what you're saying, but we go to suggesting that the team be explicit. Where are you in relationship to this idea? Do you agree with it? And we use thumbs because that's a quick yep. and tool. So thumbs up means, yes, I'm all in. Thumbs sideways means, you know, I might agree with it, but there's some issues that I still have. And thumbs down means, no, I'm not bought in at all. Yes, and this through a video meeting, this is really easy to use yep. right now. 
Um, and even it, if you have somebody who isn't on the video, they can punch, you know, they can, they can state, stay, they can state where their thumb is. And the key is then you want to go back to the people that are sideways and down and say, okay, what's going on for you? Why do you not like this? Or what are your concerns? And then you're focusing the dialogue in the right locations where people do have concerns. And a lot of times you can do, okay, where are we on this idea? And everybody's got a thumbs up. So you can stop talking about it and move on. Now, I don't think we covered this in the book, but I'm just going to say this here too, just because I think it's so critical, you know, and then make sure after, what is it that you think we all just agreed to and have people, because I don't know how many times I have been coaching various people on the team. And when I'm in a coaching session after a big team meeting, and they're telling me what they thought they agreed to do. And I, you know, I'm like, well, that's actually not what I thought any of you agreed to. <laughs> and, but, and how often sometimes somebody takes away the one piece they heard. And so often there can, that can be a problem too. Cause I can, I can think of in particular recently, a leader I was working with, he was so frustrated with his team that why are they not doing it? And Frankly, you know, I really was like, I don't think I've ever heard you say that that's what you wanted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was saying I did. And I was like, well, even if you did, when I was at the meeting, I didn't hear that. And you should ask, what do you think I'm asking from you right now? Because you are so frustrated by this. So that is a great tool. What are we agreeing to? And codify it, really be clear. And if you're you're the leader, you can say, what are you hearing me say? What do you think I'm saying? Yeah. As a way, you can use this at home too with your relationship anywhere. <laughs> what do you think, I'm, what do you hear me saying? As a way of seeing, did this actually land? Did you take in what I said? Because so often people hear things in very different ways. And I think that's a great point, Susan. You know, it's worth your time. Like if you're giving performance feedback to someone, you know that that can be a difficult thing in the first place. So it becomes really your job to say, what do you think is the most important three things that we've talked about in this performance review? You tell me. Mm -hmm. Too many times I've seen leaders say, let me tell you again, these are the three (laughs) things you need to do different. They don't go in any different when you're yelling them. Yelling at them. <laughs> or repeating them. Yes. So really slow down. I think so often we're thinking we're being efficient. We all agree. And whether it's a performance review or a meeting, slow down. And this is often what we our role when we're theirs. So you folks are agreeing to X, Y, and Z. Yes. And I'm putting it on flip charts so it's it's captured and and people go, well, no. And then there's mm-hmm. more discussion. Important to have it then versus three weeks from now when people have gone off in all different directions and now you have to pull it all back and rework it. it, Believe it or not, really does help to have someone write it on a flip chart, not type it into a computer. I don't know how many times people have sent notes around on, they have someone keeping who can type fast, but actually isn't a part of the meeting. And then, oh, that's just really kind of asking for a problem. So So, yeah, the, (laughs) the notes that you want to take are just the key phrases, the decisions, the key communications, next steps, parking lot, things like that, not every word in a meeting. So let's go on to what are some other mistakes that Michael made? I think we're on the fourth mistake at this point. Okay. Okay. Now, I don't know if he actually did this, but this is a common mistake we see leaders do, which is trying to work for consensus. We all need to agree. Well, you know, Mike's issue here was he basically said, if you guys aren't going to get to consensus. I'm just going to make the decision anyway. So he kind of, he's sort of like, yeah, I want you all to agree, but if you don't, we're going my way. (laughs) And really on teams, most adults, we don't need to get our way, but we do need to feel seen and heard. That's Mm -hmm. so important. And if we're just kind of railroaded, like here, we're going this totally different direction, 
and I'm not even asking your opinion like Michael did, I'm not going to be bought into that solution because I'm like, well, whatever. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, it's his idea. So slowing down and using Andy Grove. So the tool is what we call disagree and commit, which is from Andy Grove, who used to be the head of Intel, where you really want people to share, no, with that thumbs indicator, no, I disagree. I think we're making a big mistake and here's why. And if I feel seen and heard, the idea is when you leave that meeting, can you commit to the decision, even though it's not what you want? that disagree and commit. The only caveat I I would add to this is I do think a lot of times people think this means I'm going to spew about why I disagree and then I'm going to commit. And no one actually takes- in the meeting? In the meeting Mm -hmm. versus taking the time to say, let me see if I understand what you disagree with. Mm. Again, that's slowing down. Yes. No one really wants to focus on that listening skill, (laughs) but we're going to keep making it a very critical point because when someone- really does feel seen and heard, it makes all the difference in the world. That does not mean they're agreed with, but they have been seen and heard and that their perspective matters. That's 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 golden. So this is something I'm just going to give you a, a little invitation or challenge in your next meeting, which I'm sure you're having pretty quickly on video chat. Uh, when somebody says something controversial, just actually take the time to say, let me see if I understand what you're saying and reflect back what that person is saying. You're not agreeing or disagreeing. You're just what we call catching the ball. You'll hear us use that on other podcasts where you're really slowing it down because that moment, one, the person feels seen and heard or can clarify if you've got it wrong. And two, it helps people digest that. And maybe there is a nugget of truth or goodness out of that that you do want to consider. And that disagree and commit, what we mean is you're going to speak up, hopefully be, you know, somebody's going to catch the ball and hear that. And then when you get to the end of the meeting, your teammates will know that you disagree, but you're not going to go to your team and say, well, you know, I don't agree with this, but they're making us do this. That's the absolute worst thing you can do as a leader. (laughs) And, you know, your people may like you, but you have just thrown the entire organization under the bus. Well, the leadership team, the team above you. Well, you... But when you throw your leadership team under the bus, it deludes down at this level. It's like crazy. So it breaks (laughs) trust at the leadership level and it creates chaos and distrust all the way through the organization. Mm -hmm. It's very toxic. So anytime you don't take responsibility for the decision of the team you're a member of, you're undermining the organization, the alignment across the organization. And that we really want to underscore that. You're, you're what we call your A team, your number one team is actually the team you're a member of. And most people don't think that. They think, no, it's the team that I lead because I, I care about them and you know I got to make sure they're okay. But the alignment above is what makes their life, the people that report to you, their life easier if you really align with that leadership team. And so this disagree and commit is you walk out of that room, your team that reports to you is not going to know if you disagreed. Your words and actions are aligned to the leadership team. If you need to vent like, I am still so frustrated, you go to a peer that's on that leadership team and you vent. You do not vent to your right-hand person because that, again, disrupts the trust of the organization. Okay. So now we're going to move on to the fifth mistake, which we think can often happen on teams where... You may have a tough decision to make, so you get into overanalyzing it and analyzing it again and again, because boy, if we make the wrong decision, how costly is that going to be? This is where teams really want certainty. They're driving for certainty because they don't want to make a mistake. And we really advocate for clarity. 
And it was Colin Powell who said, you know, if you have 40 to 70% of the information when you're making a decision, that's your action zone. Below 40%, you're going off like a cowboy. Above 70%, you're getting into what this mistake is, which is analysis paralysis, because you're afraid of failing. And you're going to, the windows of opportunity are going to close and you're not going to be effective. But, you know, and the truth is there are people who really do need a lot of data, a lot of support before they can make that decision. And that's not bad. It's just so one way you can deal with that is to really have a discussion when it comes up, like when you realize, wait a minute, we might be getting into analysis paralysis. Talk about what is the worst case scenario. This is the tool. Yeah. If we make this decision, because if you start to talk about that and people do come up about what their concerns are, you have a way to sort of address it fairly quickly. And you can then, okay, as soon as we start to see that happening, we'll stop. Or you realize, well, wait a minute, even if that did happen, it's not that big a deal. We can recover. Mm -hmm. And so someone who has much more concern about not making a mistake may feel more at ease realizing, oh yeah, we could make a mistake and survive. Survive. Yeah. So looking at that worst case scenario to allay your fears that if that happens, you will survive. When you have a culture that tends to look for blame, well, it's your fault and we'll fire that person. You know, good teams actually are willing to go, oops, that didn't work. What do we need to do? Because there's trust there. And we can talk about, well, you know, this is how I realized I didn't speak up and Mm -hmm. say I had whatever it is. Mm -hmm. They can rehash that and recover rather than looking for somebody to blame. And, you know, we know that all of these things become even a little more challenging when you're virtual, but they become even more important to do something to make sure you're not falling into the traps of of these five mistakes. Yeah. And the five mistakes, I'll just summarize, are taking it offline. If you ever hear yourself say that, we want you to stop right there. Focusing only on the business problem, working for consensus, assuming head nods mean yes, and getting into analysis paralysis. So the tools for taking it offline, you want to actually treat that team meeting as your playing field. This is where you want to have that discussion because those two people are never going to have that discussion alone. Almost can guarantee you that. Focusing on solving only the business problem, you want to ask each person, why is this so important to you? Like, why are you fighting so hard for this this position? Because when you do that, you're going to get underneath just their solution and see their reasoning, their values, what's really driving them. And that's powerful. Working for consensus, just ask for a thumb check. Make it explicit. Where are you? Do you agree? Up, sideways, I have concerns, down, I don't agree. And then assuming head nods mean yes, don't. Ask for, again, another explicit we flipped those two just now. Oh, that would be when you do the thumbs up. But it's okay. Right. We actually, this is said so well, dis- No, dis- disagree and commit. Ask is for the, the disagree and commit. That's for the consensus. You can use the thumbs okay. for that. Okay. <laughs> I think we have an error in our book, but I am okay with it. <laughs> what I suggest is you get the beauty of conflict harnessing your team's competitive advantage. Read chapter 25 and let us know. <laughs> the last one is uh, analysis paralysis. And you really want to go to what's the worst case scenario. Stay in that 70%, go for uh, clarity, not certainty, and move forward so that you capture those windows of opportunity. Okay. And you know, again, just to reiterate, if at the end of the day, you are having these real honest conversations with each other about your differences, you will be able to adjust and make adjustments. The worst thing is that these conversations don't actually come up maybe because you're tired of virtual meetings, maybe because you just don't think you're getting anywhere. But you really want to be having 
this kind of sometimes discomfort and yeah. awkwardness and how are we doing on a regular basis. I know we were uh, we were working with this uh, company for a short amount of time, and one of the things that they they would make a mistake and they would never take time to debrief. Like, wow, what happened? They just wanted to like brace against it and move on, and they were missing so many golden opportunities about talking about. Well, this didn't work for me, and actually, this was a breakdown in trust. And I feel like I can't rely on you. Those conversations are so important to clear the air and recover from mistakes so that you can rebuild the relationship, you can understand and fix the right problem and garner all that to go forward. I mean, over and over again, we've seen businesses and we've talked to leaders who will say like their companies have been through sometimes hell and back, like some big mistakes. And they know that that's actually been okay. Yes. You know, so it isn't, you know, you're not the great company if you never make a mistake, you're actually the better company for it. And recognizing you have the resilience and the ability to use that to grow and develop. I think sometimes we can, whether it's individuals, teams, or entire companies try to be perfect. And that just creates brittleness and a fear of mistakes. And nobody wants to try anything because they're too afraid that it's going to work out wrong versus having that resiliency. Yes. I think about that even in terms of 2020 as a year. I mean, you know, the whole, most people I know are like, let me just get over 2020, leave it behind. I'm kind of like, hopefully not because 2021 will that just be offering just as many well we we are in 2021 <laughs> and you're kind of like so yeah. what's different we still have covid we have this political stuff going yeah, on we have a lot of different things so the best thing to do is to actually learn from yes what could seem like a really challenging hard fought battle to get through and you know a big year like 2020, (laughs) something in your company or whatever it was. Don't be afraid to talk about it. So hopefully these five mistakes and what to do about them will help you in your team and even how to deal with mistakes. We're going to continue to talk about meetings and teams and how to make your business more effective with the people that you work with. Hope you have a good week. Wow. Well, we hope you will be able to apply some of these five tips that we gave you for making your team's move out of a stall because we think so often teams are stalling and they don't even realize it. So, And one of the things that we recognize is, you know, listening is hard enough when you're all in the same room physically right there. So it's so easy for people to check out when you're on these little screens virtually across the globe. So one of the things to remember being verbose in a virtual meeting is not an asset. (laughs) And one creative way to work with that is, you know, if you are that verbose person and you know you've got that other person, a few words, the quieter, (laughs) have that person summarize what it is that you said because they will be able to do it in way fewer words. You can even ask them to introduce your idea if you really are bold enough to do it because it may be helpful to have less words, not more, especially virtually. So you could ask, what are you hearing me say? Can somebody summarize what I've just said? Or clarify the takeaways, because so often we leave a meeting, everybody is unclear or thinks something different. So you want to actually get clarity on those next steps. Now, we've developed a little handout for you to take these tips and you can uh, print it out. It's just at the end. There's a link. You can sign up for it and it'll land in your email. And if you want to talk to Chris Marie or me (laughs) or Susan, uh, if you want to give us feedback or your ideas or questions, we'd love to hear how this podcast is working for you and what you want more of, what you want less of at, you can email us at thriving, T-H-R-I-V-E at T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C.com. 
right. We hope to hear from you again. And if you're so bold, you can always leave an iTunes review. We love honest feedback. So go to iTunes and click away. <laughs>